0: The Israeli army cannot double as a child protection agency. No army can. Hey, this is Doc Washburn. Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show. We push back against the Uniparty and the deep state and let you into the news that traditional talk radio is all too often afraid to talk about. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, DocWashburn.com, click on the button that says Become a Patron. Also, please remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode. Make sure you check out our new conservative sports podcast, Red Pill Sports, with my friend Donnie Copeland, which drops Tuesday evenings at 11 p.m. Central. Now, I'm going to do something I never do. We usually do the tweet of the day brought to you by Red River Auto at the end of the show. I got to put it up front on this one. Now, the tweet of the day is brought to you by Red River Auto, big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom, to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice the way you want to online at redriverauto.com and have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the Continental USA. Tweet of the day today is from a buddy of mine who goes by Oil Fueled Rando over there on Twitter. And he says the thing you need to understand about these folks cheering Hamas at the universities is that they would react the exact Same way if their allies started killing their civilian political opponents in America. Yes, that's a hard pill to swallow. But swallow it, you must. He says, you tell me the way back from this. I'd love to see it, but I don't see it. That is the tweet of the day. Brought to you by Red River Auto. Auto. Big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy the car, truck, van, or SUV of your choice, the way you want to, at RedRiverAuto.com. Have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental USA. Now, in case you are wondering, every time I think of the massacres of innocent men, women, and children in Israel, I feel this cold fury. We are all created in the image of God. These mass murderers of Hamas are demonic. They are attacking God's image bearers. Now, some people don't get that. But Hamas has declared war on Israel. And Israel is in a fight for its life. But a lot of, a lot of liberals and mainstream media, but I repeat myself, insist that Israel not Back because it might wind up killing people who do not actually support Hamas. It might kill innocent civilians, including children. Now, to put this in context, I want to play for you a little bit of audio from an Arab-Israeli journalist named Lucy Aharish. So she's over there. And here's what she said to put it into context what these people are going through 10 days into this.
1: I'm sorry that I'm using my microphone to send a message to the world. As a journalist, this is my only weapon. Since Saturday morning, the state of Israel is under attack. Our beloved country is under attack. We are under an attack of a brutal, barbaric, inhumane terror organization. Not an entity, not a government, not a leadership, but a terror organization. Hamas murdered and slaughtered in cold blood, innocent babies, children, elderly, women, and men. In their homes, in their beds. Hamas kidnapped and took captive innocent babies, children, elderly, women, and men. Hamas has targeted and fired thousands of rockets and missiles on innocent babies, children, elderly, women, and men. Civilians, citizens of the sovereign state of Israel. And we, the citizens of the state of Israel, all of us, left and right, secular and religious, Jews, Christians, Druze, Muslims, minorities, and immigrants from all over the world stand united together in this fight. We're fighting for our lives, for our future, and mostly for the future of our children. Don't be mistaken. We experience difficulties, disagreements, and major disputes like any other country on this globe. But it does not mean that we will not protect ourselves and our children, our homeland. And for everyone out there who's not condemning this inhumane massacre, try to imagine for a second that you're waking up on Saturday morning with your children sleeping next to you, waking up to the sounds of sirens, and then in a split of a second, a terrorist comes into your home, your safe shelter, and starts murdering your family in front of your eyes. Can you imagine that? Look into the victim's eyes. Look into our eyes, in the eyes of all the citizens of this land, and stand with us on the right side of history.
0: Okay, now... She's going to share just a really few short words in Hebrew. And I will tell you after she says this, uh, you know, i have translate for you what she says.
1: So she says the
0: next day, We will not rise up to the same Israel. We will not rise up the same people. We will rise up stronger and better and hopefully more united. So that is um, Arab-Israeli journalist Lucy Aharish over there on I-24 News in Israel. So just to reiterate... There are those among us who say, well, sure, Hamas went into these people's homes on a peaceful Saturday morning and slaughtered babies, raped young women and girls, and then slaughtered them, slaughtered whole families, little children, moms and dads, grandma, grandpa and then took a couple hundred hostages back over to Gaza. But, but, still, Israel must not fight back because bombing Gaza means they're bound to kill some innocent children, no matter how much they try to avoid it. By the way, uh, they do try to avoid hitting civilians. They always warn the Arabs before they attack. So unlike Hamas, Israel actually does try to avoid civilian casualties. So here's the problem. There are videos of people in Gaza protesting, saying things like, no, we refuse to leave the places you're going to bomb, Israel. We want to be martyrs for Allah. So go ahead and bomb us. Now, you may say, why, Doc? Intentionally putting your own children in harm's way, which obviously these people are doing, is child abuse. Well, yeah, you're right, it is. So in Western countries like the United States of America, we have these um, government agencies in the different states, child protection services. And they have they have different acronyms in different states. In the state I live in, they're referred to as DCFS. A lot of states are referred to as CPS. But anyway, the idea is if these state agencies find out that parents are abusing their children, they're supposed to intervene. Now, now sometimes they make mistakes, and, and sometimes they take children from parents they have no business taking them from. I've seen it happen and sometimes they leave children in a very dangerous situations they should have gotten them out of that tends to make the news but the idea is that the child protection service is a service that's supposed to protect children but see that's not going to work in the Gaza strip where Hamas is official and Hamas of course is the government that got voted in years ago and they haven't had another election. See, Hamas's official mode of operation is to try to increase casualties among civilians for propaganda purposes. So the official government there in the Gaza Strip, Hamas, is down with child abuse, you see. So the American liberals and mainstream media, but I I repeat myself again, they want Israel's military to do the job that uh, child protective services should be doing in the Gaza Strip. But of course, that's foolish. There's no military on earth that can provide child protective services for the children of the adults that that military is trying to kill. So I explained it this way so you can see just how ridiculous this idea is. The Israeli army does not have a child protection for the children of Hamas division. It's just breathtakingly stupid. And yet, that is what the libs insist on. Now... We come to Margaret Brennan, longtime host of CBS News Sunday morning program, Face the Nation. Now, I think Margaret Brennan may have a more sinister motive for not wanting Israel to strike back at the demonic, bloodthirsty jihadists of Hamas there might be more to it with Margaret Brennan than just being a, tip role, uh, a typical liberal talking head. So, so hold that thought. Hold that thought, and I will tell you her dirty little secret coming up. So this past Sunday morning, Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, running for the Republican presidential nomination, was on Face the Nation, CBS News, Sunday morning, Margaret Brennan, and it went something like this. She said, you're running to be the next commander-in-chief, so I want to focus on some of the crises we're seeing right now. You were once a Navy JAG, which means you advised on the law of armed conflict. She doesn't tell anybody what JAG stands for, Judge Advocate General. But she says, with Israel about to launch this invasion of Gaza, I wonder what you would advise them in terms of distinguishing between legitimate targets and civilians. So right off the bat, she's going for it. And DeSantis is having none of it.
2: Well, one, Israel has a right to defend itself to the hilt, and that means the complete elimination of Hamas, the eradication of their terrorist infrastructure. Israel has put out warnings to civilians about where Israel is going to conduct operations and has told civilians there to leave the area. Hamas is telling those civilians to stay in the area. So they're using the civilians as human shields. So, of course, when you're in war, you want to avoid that. But if there are civilian casualties, that's the fault of Hamas. That's not going to be the fault of Israel.
0: Like I told you, Israel tries to warn the civilians, get out of there. And DeSantis is saying, Hamas is saying, no, 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 don't get out of there. As a matter of fact, there have been reports from the Gaza Strip that Hamas is not allowing civilians to get out of dangerous areas. But anyway, none of this matters to Margaret Brennan, CBS Face the Nation. She has her narrative. She has an axe to grind. She said, but would you advise, for example, the Israeli military to avoid attacking infrastructure to provide water and electricity as they have done. Now, I haven't heard that they have attacked infrastructure to provide water and electricity. I've heard they just turned it off. But anyway, that's her question. But would you advise, for example, the Israeli military to avoid attacking infrastructure to provide water and electricity as they have done? Here is Ron DeSantis'
2: answer. Well, Margaret, the Hamas is holding people hostage still. You have Israelis being held hostage as well as Americans being held hostage. I understand I don't that. think they're under... But I don't think they're under an obligation to be providing water in these utilities while those hostages are being held. Hamas should return those hostages uh, before any discussions are had. And it's a disgrace what they're doing. And Israel has every right to use all the pressure that they can to get those people back.
0: Now, you notice Margaret Brennan, CBS, Face the Nation, interjects, I understand that. But she's cold-blooded. She's cold-blooded. She couldn't care less. So she follows up with this. She says there are five to 600 Americans stuck in Gaza specifically. Let me ask you a little bit more about that because of the 2 million people who live in Gaza. Half of them are under the age of 18. Let's take a listen to something you said yesterday. And she plays this clip of him talking the day before.
2: We cannot accept people from Gaza into this country as refugees. I am not going to do that. If you look at how they behave, not all of them are Hamas, but they are all anti-Semitic.
0: Then Margaret Brennan follows that up saying, I'm sure you know all arabs are semites but how can you paint with such a broad brush to say 2.3 million people are anti-Semitic and here is DeSantis.
2: Well first of all my position is very clear those Gaza refugees Palestinian Arabs should go to Arab countries the U.S. should not be absorbing any of those. I think the culture so they elected Hamas let's just be clear about that not everyone's a member of Hamas most probably aren't but they did elect Hamas.
0: Now you notice that's cut off at the end because Margaret Brennan can only put up with so much truth. So she had to jump in and interrupt Governor DeSantis. At this point, she says, in 2006, talking about when they elected Hamas, in 2006. And then the military occupation happened after that when they went in, and they haven't had any elections since 2007. So in 2006 they had an election, but not since then. At this point, Governor DeSantis tries to jump back in.
3: Uh, no, but there was a lot of there was that. a lot
2: of there was a lot of celebrating of those attacks um, in the Gaza Strip uh, by by a lot of those folks who were not Hamas. But if you look at their education system, this has been an issue for a long time. They teach kids to hate Jews. The textbooks do not have Israel even on the map. Uh, They prepare very young kids uh, to commit terrorist attacks. So I think it's a toxic culture, and I think if we were to import large numbers of those to the United States, I think it would increase anti-Semitism in this country, and I think it would increase anti-Americanism in this country. And that's something, after seeing those demonstrations pop up in our country, just with with blood still flowing amongst Israeli citizens over the weekend, Uh, You had people taking to the streets, cheering on the barbarism of Hamas in our own country. That was a chilling thing to see. And I don't think that that's something that we should ever think is acceptable. Okay, next. Margaret Brennan still
0: has this axe to grind. She comes back and says, No, but no one's talking about getting Gazan refugees here right now. They can't even get out of Gaza at the moment. Now, you see what she just did. She tried to play gotcha with DeSantis, trying to paint him as some kind of bigot for saying, everybody in Gaza, they're all anti-Semites. But when he brings the receipts and completely eviscerates her whole narrative, all of a sudden she pretends it isn't even an issue. Oh, nobody's talking about that. But you were just talking about it, Margaret Brennan. Oh, and by the way, Nikki Haley, another candidate for the Republican presidential nomination, is definitely saying that this country needs to accept refugees from Gaza. So that's a non-starter right there. Governor DeSantis' response to Margaret Brennan saying nobody's talking about it. Well, people have
2: mentioned it. I think some of the far left have said this is something that we should do. The U.S. has done similar things in the past, and so I just put my stake in the ground. Uh, That's where we're going to be, and I think that everyone running for president on the Republican side should follow suit. Should. Should follow suit.
0: But not everyone is. Now, I've got a lot more coming up. Uh, Looks like Biden and Secretary of State Anthony Blinken have announced they're going to go visit Israel and then Jordan this week. So we have that, and we have a lot of updated news from Israel But the first thing we got coming up is Margaret Brennan's dirty little secret. The reason I think that she doesn't want Israel to retaliate against Hamas. And that's coming up straight ahead. If you've tried to buy a car recently, you realize you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Auto comes in. Red River Auto is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including your freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Auto wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. Red River Auto Group has perfected the online buying process. Just go to redriverauto.com and pick from hundreds of new and used vehicles. You can purchase a vehicle online if you have any questions. One of Red River's trained experts will help you through the whole process. Red River Auto makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom. The dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door no matter where you live in the continental U.S. RedRiverAuto.com. You'll be glad you did. I want to tell you about the best-kept secret in American healthcare. Are you having problems with sinuses and allergies? Are you experiencing dizziness, vertigo, problems with your blood sugar, fibromyalgia, eczema, psoriasis, migraines? The Arkansas Upper Cervical Center might be able to help you. Let me tell you how. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, or C1, which only weighs 2 ounces. So it's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain. When that happens, your central nervous system isn't able to communicate with the rest of your body as it's designed to do. I had severe hay fever For five or six weeks, every spring, all my life, and migraines year-round. When I got my atlas adjusted, the hay fever went away, and the migraines went away for good. Whatever malady you're suffering from, do yourself a favor. Call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009, for a free consultation. They've helped so many people I know. Please call them to see if they can help you. That number for your free consultation is 501-279-2009. If you're outside central Arkansas, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com. Click on the tab that says find a doctor near you, and I sure hope you can. Do you want to drop your big liberal cell phone carrier? Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless carrier, is a perfect solution. Patriot Mobile has exceptional nationwide coverage and uses the same towers the main carriers use. Patriot Mobile guarantees your coverage. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget, along with great discounts for our veteran and first responder heroes, as well as multi-line users. And switching to Patriot Mobile usually only takes 15 to 20 minutes. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you shift your support from the leftist progressive agendas of Big Mobile to the Christian conservative causes of Patriot Mobile. Patriot Mobile donates a portion of every dollar earned to organizations that fight for causes you care about. A portion of every dollar they earn is given back to the causes that support organizations that fight for First Amendment religious freedom, freedom of speech, Second Amendment right to bear arms, sanctity of life, and the needs of our veterans and first responders. Now more than ever, it's important to band together and support companies that share our conservative values. Switching is easy. Just do what I did. Go to PatriotMobile.com or call their US-based customer service team at 972 Patriot. Make sure you use promo code DOC that's DOC for free activation. All right, Margaret Brennan, longtime moderator of CBS Face the Nation. Her dirty little secret, the the reason I think that she may be trying to push for the idea that Israel should not strike back against Hamas. Her husband's name is Ali Iyad Yaqub. That's Major Ali Iyad Yaqub to you, an attorney and marine veteran who goes by the nickname Yado. Now this guy's a Muslim He uh, apparently met Margaret Brennan because his sister was her roommate when she studied abroad in Jordan back in the day. Margaret Brennan's husband, Yacoub, earned his law degree from the University of Miami. He wrote a dissertation about democracy and Islam. Yeah. It was called The Islamic Roots of Democracy. It was published in 2005 by the University of Miami International and Comparative Law Review. In the paper, Yaqub lays out an argument for why he says the principles of Islam support democratic ideals. So here's a little blurb from his paper. He says, Muslim jurists generally agree that the Qur'an does not specify a particular form of government. It does, however, identify essential norms to be promoted in an Islamic state. The pursuit of justice through social cooperation and mutual assistance, the establishment of a non-autocratic, consultative method of governance, and the institutionalization of mercy and compassion in social interaction. Okay, all of this, all of these points are bald-faced lies. And he has to know this. But wait, there's more. I mean, what Muslim countries do you know of that have this kind of freedom? Give me a break. He says, While Americans may not equate the typical Muslim scholar with such liberal political thinkers as Madison or Jefferson, the issue of reform strikes a chord with a number of important jurists in the Muslim world. One such jurist, Sheikh Yusuf al-Qaradawi, issued a religious opinion, a fatwa, in response to those who argued democracy is un-Islamic. He argued that democracy empowers the community by giving people the right to choose their leaders without compulsion to question them when they err and to depose them when they fail to uphold their duties to those they govern, ideas that are all consistent with the tenets of Islam. Well, see, the problem is, I checked out this Sheikh Yusuf al-Qaradawi. He was one of the most influential Islamic clerics in the world. Author of over 100 books on Muslim doctrine. Head of the International Union of Muslim Scholars and spiritual leader of the Muslim Brotherhood. He taught at Al-Azhar University in Cairo. Now, Islam does not have a Vatican like the Roman Catholic Church does. But the closest thing to it would be Al-Azhar University. So this guy that's married to Margaret Brennan, longtime moderator of CBS Face the Nation, is favorably quoting the spiritual leader of the Muslim Brotherhood. Muslim Brotherhood. They're pretty tight with Hamas, right? Right. Don't take my word for it. You can look it up. You can look it up. So, if you look into Karadawi's writings, he made the declaration back in 2010 on his popular Arabic program, Al Sharia Wa Al Haya, which stood for Sharia and Life broadcast by Al Jazeera to an estimated audience of 60 million people on worldwide that if Prophet Muhammad, whatever he he wants you to do, you got to do it, including killing people. And this is the guy? The CBS Face the Nation's Margaret Brennan's husband is quoting This guy who believes in Sharia law, in which everything is compulsion. But Margaret Bennett's husband is like, oh, no, no, no. Islam is not about compulsion at all. No, it's freedom and, you know, elect your own leaders and then take them out if they're not doing the right job. Gee, I wonder why she doesn't want Israel to fight back against Hamas. Now, you may say she didn't say that, Doc. She just doesn't want innocent people in Gaza Strip killed. But see, this is war. And if you're telling Israel, well, you can only fight back if you're sure you're not going to accidentally kill any innocent people, well, then they can't fight back. I want to ask you something. Are you familiar with the... Uh, what the United States government did to stop World War II in Japan—dropping nukes on Hiroshima and Hiroshima and Nagasaki—are you familiar with the firebombing of Tokyo? Before that, are you familiar with the firebombing of Dresden, Germany, in which apparently approximately a hundred thousand people were killed in the firebombing of Dresden, Germany? So what are the odds that there might have been a handful of people in Dresden, Germany, who got killed in the bombing of it who really didn't like Hitler? And yet, they got killed anyway. What are the? Is it possible that somebody might have been trying to hide some Jews in the attic in Dresden, Germany, and yet they got killed anyway? All these little liberals saying, well, you know, Israel, now you can't go overboard, man. You you just got to have a proportional response to what Hamas did to you. Why does that only apply to Israel and no other country on earth in the history of the world? Why is that? Now, i24 news is an independent news channel in Israel, in English. And we have an update from them that just dropped
4: about 13 minutes ago, and it went something like this. Yeah, they are now on the front line. We, the same way as our soldiers are fighting on the border with Gaza, the family of the hostages are fighting on the world stage. By the way, this is Raphael jerusalem
0: a security analyst
4: it says here israel at war day 11. they are the front line of the jewish people not only the Israelis, the Jewish people, because let me remind you that in our hearts and in our minds, this brings back to memory many episodes in the history of the Jewish people, many such similar atrocious episodes at the end of hateful people. And uh, we have to be now the front, the, the interior front. We have to be the, the rear to support them with all our, our might. Uh, I admire the way they react. You cannot judge the. Re- they You not even start to understand what they feel. I admire how they put such a brave face, how uh, they have the courage uh, to, to address the press, to, to, to be uh, almost everywhere at the same time, to, make sh- to do anything they can uh, to, to save their children. Uh, the Hamas is uh, leading now in this psychological war. It knows we are a very ethical, moral people. We have a heart, we have a conscience, they don't. Now, as he's saying this, they're showing
0: video of a 21-year-old woman who is being held hostage by Hamas, begging her government to
4: get her out of there. And that's the problem. That's the danger. Uh, would there be hostages anywhere else? I don't know. But with, with these people, there are no guarantees. Um, like I said, uh, some of them uh, are just there just for the cruelty of it. Uh, I don't want to think of scenarios what they're doing with these hostages. We've seen what they were doing uh, in, 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 in the massacres. Uh, we, we are having a horrible time, and I think the response will be uh, appropriate to that. I think the response will be violent. I think people uh, in the Hamas can start saying their prayers because they're going to soon go back and meet their maker and our revenge uh, will not change anything for those who are dead, but it will maybe ensure a better future, first for us and then even for the Palestinian people of Gaza. And uh, that's it. We, the only thing we can do now is uh, uh, take an example on the, these brave parents and uh, keep the, our cool, keep confident, and fight on.
0: I, uh, I go back to what I said earlier. Cold fury. You, you, you got to crush. You got to crush all. The bad guys, all the bad guys, take them all out. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how hostage rescue stuff works. I. I, I don't understand any of that. But I know right from wrong. I got that much figured out. All right, so Joe Biden Scott Pelley over at CBS asks Joe Biden if Iran was behind the Hamas attacks. On Israel. Is Iran behind the Gaza war?
5: I don't want to get into classified information, but very blunt with you, there is no clear evidence of that.
4: At this point, at no this evidence point. that Iran is behind any of this.
5: Correct. Now, Iran constantly supports Hamas and Hezbollah. I don't mean that. But in terms of were they, did they have foreknowledge? Did they help
0: plan the attack? They, they, there's no evidence of that at this point. Really? No evidence of that. Well, you know, the Wall Street Journal disagrees. Oh, and by the way, did you know the Biden regime approved sending $75 million to Hamas the day before the jihad massacres? Oh, yeah. Hat tip to Robert Spencer over Jihad Watch, linking to the article at Middle East Monitor. But it's been all over the media. Let me tell you what the Wall Street Journal said the day after Hamas did its cowardly, dastardly attack on innocent men, women, and children in Israel. Wall Street Journal article entitled, Iran helped plot attack on Israel over several weeks. Dateline Dubai. Iranian security officials, but, but wait, 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 wait. See, Scott Pelley's not going to follow up. He's not going to say to Biden, well, the Wall Street Journal says there's evidence. He's just there to cover, carry water for the regime. That's all. Dateline Dubai. Iranian security officials helped plan Hamas's Saturday surprise attack on Israel and gave the green light for the assault at a meeting in Beirut last Monday. So that would have been the Monday before the attacks. What, Monday, October 2nd. According to senior members of Hamas and Hezbollah, another Iran-backed militant group, officers of Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps had worked with Hamas since August to devise the air, land, and sea incursions, the most significant breach of Israel's borders since the 1973 Yom Kippur War, those people said. Details of the operation were refined during several meetings in Beirut, attended by officers of Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, or the IRGC, and representatives of four Iran-backed militant groups Oh, no, 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 not militant groups. No, they're jihadists. Wall Street Journal has to be so politically correct, even when they're dropping this bombshell exclusive. Representatives of four Iran-backed jihadist groups, including Hamas, which holds power in Gaza, and Hezbollah, a Shiite jihadist group, not militant, jihadist, and political faction in Lebanon, they said. U.S. officials say they haven't seen evidence of Tehran's involvement. In an interview with CNN that aired Sunday, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken said, we have not yet seen evidence that Iran directed or was behind this particular attack, but there is certainly a long relationship A U.S. official of the meeting said, we don't have any information this time to corroborate this account. Okay, so wait. So the Wall Street Journal has the proof, but the people in charge of the regime haven't seen it. That's what I'm supposed to believe. I mean, I was born in the evening, but it wasn't yesterday evening. Wall Street Journal continues, a European official and advisor to the Syrian group, however, gave the same account of Iran's involvement in the lead-up to the attack as a senior Hamas and Hezbollah members. Asked about the meetings, Mahmoud Mordawi, a senior Hamas official, said the group planned the attacks on its own. He said this is the Palestinian and Hamas decision let me look his name up. Let's see if they, uh, if Israel has neutralized him yet because he sounds like the kind of guy that needs to be introduced to his maker like really soon, really soon. And by his maker, I'm not talking about Allah. There is no Allah. Boy, what a shock is going to be for these guys. Let's see if he's been taken out yet. Okay, I don't I don't have anything yet. But I'm sure his time is short. I'm sure his time is short. So, let's go back to Wall Street Journal. This is from October 8th now. This is Sunday, October 8th, the day after the attack started. A spokesman for Iran's mission to the United Nations said the Islamic Republic stood in support of Gaza's actions but didn't direct them. The Iranian spokesman said, the decisions made by the Palestinian resistance are fiercely autonomous and unwaveringly aligned with the legitimate interests of the Palestinian people. We are not involved in Palestine's response as it is taken solely by Palestine itself. Now, check the implication there. The idea of murdering 260 young people at a music concert in southern Israel and raping untold numbers of women and girls and slaughtering whole families from grandparents down to babies in cribs. As far as Iran is concerned, that kind of wholesale slaughter is unwaveringly aligned with the legitimate interests of the Palestinian people. Hmm. Uh, I find that problematic. How about you? So, Wall Street Journal continues, A direct Iranian role would take Tehran's long-running conflict with Israel out of the shadows, raising the risk of broader conflict in the Middle East. Senior Israeli security officials have pledged to strike at Iran's leadership if Tehran is found responsible for killing Israelis. Well, I certainly hope they do. The IRGC's broader plan is to create a multi-front threat that can strangle Israel from all sides. Hezbollah and the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine in the north, and Palestinian Islamic Jihad and Hamas in Gaza and the West Bank, according to the senior Hamas and Hezbollah members, and an Iranian official. Well, now, wait a minute. The IRGC's broader plan is to create a multi-front threat, but then they say they had nothing to do with The attack. Well, it can't be both. Which is it? See, liars sometimes have a hard time keeping their lies straight and realizing that this lie contradicts that lie. And I don't know how to break it to you, but um, mass murderers, genocidal jihadists will lie to you. So, as of October 8th, Wall Street Journal said at least 700 Israelis are confirmed dead. Well, that's almost twice that number now. It's getting up close to 1,400. Saturday's assault has punctured the country's aura of invincibility and left Israelis questioning how their vaunted security forces could let it happen. Israel has blamed Iran, saying it is behind the attacks, if indirectly, on October 8th. Israel's ambassador to the UN, Gilad Erdan, said, we know, that there were meet- we know that there were meetings in Syria and in Lebanon with other leaders of the terror armies that surround Israel. So obviously it's easy to understand that they try to coordinate the proxies of Iran. In our region, they try to be coordinated as much as possible with Iran. Well, that stands to reason. Wall Street Journal says, Hamas has publicly acknowledged Receiving support from Iran, and on Sunday, October eighth, Iranian President Ibrahim Raisi talked to Palestinian Islamic Jihad leader Ziad al-Nakhalah and Hamas chief Ismail Hanaya. Now these sounds like sound like some names of some people that need to be removed from the earth. Street General says. Iran has been setting aside other regional conflicts such such as its open feud with Saudi Arabia and Yemen to devote the IRGC's foreign resources toward coordinating, financing, and arming militias antagonistic to Israel, including Hamas and Hezbollah, according to senior members of Hamas and Hezbollah. Well, you know, I mean, coordinating, financing, arming, So again, they're contradicting themselves, aren't they? The U.S. and Israel have designated Hamas and Hezbollah as terrorist organizations. The Iranian official said, we are now free to focus on the Zionist entity. They are now very isolated. Now, wait a minute. So we're to take from this the fact that Iran is anti-Semitic? Who knew? The strike was intended to hit Israel while it appeared distracted by internal political divisions over Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's government. The senior Hamas and Hezbollah members said it was also aimed at disrupting accelerating U.S. brokered talks to normalize relations between Saudi Arabia and Israel that Iran saw as threatening. Building on peace deals with Egypt and Jordan, expanding Israeli ties with Gulf Arab states could create a chain of American allies linking three key choke points of global trade, the Suez Canal, the Strait of Hormuz, and the Bab al-Mandeb, connecting the Red Sea to the Arabian Sea, according to Hussein Hussein Ibish, senior resident scholar at the Arab Gulf States Institute in Washington. Ibish said, that's very bad news for Iran. If they could do this, the strategic map changes dramatically to Iran's detriment. So it goes on and on and on. But don't be surprised if Iran has a smackdown coming up. And of course, don't be surprised that Biden would lie about it or that Blinken would lie about it. Because again, that's how they roll, right? Wall Street Journal update five days later, October 13th, article entitled, For Palestinians, Trapped in Gaza, there's no way out. Gaza's 2 million residents trying to survive airstrikes, facing humanitarian crisis and looming ground assault. Says Palestinians and foreign nationals in the Gaza Strip, which is running short of electricity, food, fuel, and water, are trying to flee to safety ahead of an anticipated Israeli ground invasion, but are finding there's nowhere to run. International pressure is building on Egypt, to open its border crossing with Gaza to a potential exodus of its 2 million residents. Egypt's government has resisted easing border restrictions for years, wary that militants... Oh, there's that stupid lie word again. They're not militants, they're jihadists. Wary that jihadists will join civilians and create security problems for Egypt and arguing that an exodus could threaten the integrity of Palestinian territory. Oh, no, i tell you what. um, Now, I get, Egypt, that you don't want jihadists coming in and terrorizing your country, but what has threatened the integrity of Palestinian territory was Hamas going into Israel and murdering and raping people. That was what, you know. So, so yeah, that, that was what did it. Israel's military said Thursday that it aims to topple Hamas as a ruling entity in Gaza in response to the group's mass killing of more than 1,300 Israelis, many of them civilians, during a cross-border raid the previous weekend. Israeli officials have warned entire neighborhoods in Gaza to abandon their homes and has cut off supplies of food, fuel, and water to the enclave. Well, too bad. I guess uh, Hamas. What's the polite way to put it? They they messed around and find out? Yeah, they messed around and found out. White House National Security Council spokesman John Kirby, a man who just can't help lying because he works for Barack Obama, you know, the puppeteer behind Biden, He told the Wall Street Journal, we're working closely with Egypt and Israel to see if we can develop safe passage options so those civilians in Gaza who want to leave can leave safely. This isn't their fault. They didn't cause this, and if they want to leave, they should be allowed to leave. Really? Well, how many of them don't like Hamas? I mean, some, some don't, but anyway. Israel's military just before midnight local time last Friday morning told the UN, that its staff and approximately 1.1 million civilians should leave the northern part of the Gaza Strip in the next 24 hours, according to the spokesman for the UN and Israel's military. The UN called for Israel to rescind the order, saying it could transform an already tragic situation into a catastrophe. Well, sucks to be them. U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken told reporters he discussed the possibility of safe passage with Israeli officials during a visit and would pursue the topic in coming days with other countries. Complicating matters. Hamas officials have said in recent days that the group is reluctant to allow an evacuation of Gaza, arguing it could mean permanent exile for Palestinians who leave Hey, uh, guess what? Uh, that's going to happen anyway. Just uh, just a word from the moderator here. Mahmoud Murdawi, an official with Hamas's political bureau, who unfortunately seems to be still alive, said last Friday, opening a secure passage to force our people to leave their homeland for permanent death is not something our people and our resistance will agree to. Well, no, of course not. Too bad. Israel's intense bombing campaign has already triggered a frantic search for safety in Gaza. Uh, The more than 338,000 people who have fled their homes, two-thirds have taken shelter in. United Nations run schools while others are staying with relatives or in hotels. So are you telling me that if you, Hamas, go into Israel and start raping and murdering people, then that will make life difficult for people in your little territory there of Gaza Strip? Apparently so. Oh, and then they go into human interest stories where you don't really know if they're lying or telling the truth because, again, the Quran and the Islamic so-called holy books encourage Muslims to lie to the rest of us. So that's, that's about all we need from that. Yeah, that, that will do from that. So this is really unfortunate. Um, Jeff Jacoby, a great writer, Op-ed columnist at the Boston Globe, he links to an article from the New York Sun. And it says, after the worst massacre of civilians in Israel's history, a major survey by the polling firm YouGov finds that just 32% of U.S. adults between 18 and 24 years old believe that Hamas deliberately targets civilians. Jeff Jacoby says, you have raised a generation of idiots, America. Oh my. Yeah, this this is not good. This is really not good. And the um uh, The headline to the article says, only slim majority of Americans believe Hamas is deliberately striking Israeli civilians. Subtitle, a quote from Winston Churchill, I decline utterly to be impartial between the fire brigade and the fire. Yeah. Pretty much. Man, I got to tell you, this is jacked up, man. It is. It is. For real, Jack up. I'm going to lie, fam. But I got a lot more coming up. A lot more. I have only just begun to fight on the Doc Washburn Show. Mike Lindell says, Because of your amazing support for my MyPillow 2.0, He's expanded my pillows USA manufacturing and jobs. So he's clearing out his percale bed sheets by giving them to you at closeout prices. King size percale bed sheets only $39 a set. Queen size only $35 a set. Full size $29 and twin size just $25. Use promo code DWS to take advantage of this once in a lifetime offer. Right now, Mike's biggest my slippers closeout sale ever is on. Get Mike's all season my slippers and sandals at clearance prices. Mike's all season moccasin slippers are just twenty five dollars. Mike's my slipper sandals are just nineteen fifty. They're both made with Mike's patented impact gel that absorbs and relieves pressure, so you can comfortably wear them all day long. Just use promo code DWS for huge discounts. Remember, DWS stands for Doc Washburn Show. MyPillow.com, quantities are extremely limited at these amazing prices, so please order now. Just use promo code DWS. You know, the great Ronald Reagan once said, inflation is as violent as a mugger, as frightening as an armed robber, and as deadly as a hitman. Have you thought about the benefits of investing in precious metals? Here are five profound benefits. Number one, Investing in precious metals is a hedge against inflation. Number two, it's a great way to diversify your portfolio. Number three, asset liquidity. Number four, precious metals tend to be a store of value. They don't tend to depreciate over the long haul. And last but not least, number five, precious metals can be a hedge against geopolitical uncertainty and the struggling U.S. dollar. Andrew Sorcini with Beverly Hills Precious Metals has been involved in gold and silver for over 40 years. Beverly Hills Precious Metals brings precious metals to the homes of everyday American citizens. Mike Flynn told us about them, and they are our gold buyer of choice. To find out more, just Google Beverly Hills Precious Metals. Make sure you ask about the General Mike Flynn silver coin and tell him Doc Washburn sent you. Beverly Hills Precious Metals helps folks protect their finances, wealth, and investments. Let me ask you something. Why continue shopping big box stores if you can get the items you need from a family-owned company? Now you can get around this crazy inflation by shopping factory direct at a family-owned Made in America manufacturer. Americans are walking away from the big box conglomerates and deciding to buy only USA. Join with fellow patriots to cut off the cash flow of the big, woke corporations that are trying to destroy our country. These products include fresh American-raised beef. Raised in the Montana mountains near Yellowstone, this beef is known as never, ever. Never has the animal ever been exposed to antibiotics, hormones, or vaccines. This prime or high-choice beef is shipped directly to your door. Pricing and availability is exclusive only to our members, and isn't shipped anywhere else in the world. Let's start voting with our dollars to make sure our purchases are supporting companies that promote freedom. Email us at buyonlyusa at proton.me, and I'll have one of my guys contact you. Buyonlyusa at proton.me. By the way, I don't know if you are familiar with the Babylon B. They are the... Best satire website out there. They do satirical news items, and they got one here. Hamas clarifies they meant to start the type of war where they get to do whatever they want and no one fights back. Yeah, that ain't working, Chief. That ain't working. Too bad. Uh, We got uh, breaking news. According to King Abdullah II of Jordan, they're also not prepared to accept any more Palestinian refugees from the Gaza Strip. He said, after a meeting in Berlin, that was a red line. It is important that the people remain steadfast and present on their land. He said, no refugees in Jordan, no refugees in Egypt. You know, the, i got to tell you what this reminds me of. About 40 years ago, it was in the early 80s, about 40 years ago, Yasser Arafat had made a big mistake. And it looked like he might not make it. There was a, lot, a heavy fighting going on. And I want to say that he was pinned down in um, was it Beirut? I think it looked like he wasn't going to make it. I think he was pinned down in in, in Beirut, up against the uh, up against the water there. And he sent out, yeah, because the PLO's headquarters was in Lebanon. He sent out an urgent plea. Yeah, 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 the Lebanese Civil War, 1983. He sent out an urgent plea to Muammar Gaddafi down in uh, Libya. Hey, brother, we need some help, man. If you can intervene, I'm I'm in big trouble up here. And Gaddafi responded, fight to the last man, brother. Hang in there. Go for it. Oh, my goodness. That's kind of what it reminds me of, hearing that from the, the Jordanian king. Nope, 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 nope. We're not taking any Palestinian refugees, and neither is Egypt. So you guys just stay where you are and best of luck to you. Yeah, that's That's what it reminds me of. Now, this from former head of speechwriting at the Israeli Mission. Somebody said, "Why do you say Israel?" I said, well, I'm trying to pronounce it the way they do, you know, instead of just saying the Anglicized Israel. Anyway, uh, Aviva Klumpas, who used to be head of speech writing at Israel's mission to the UN, says, hey, to the feminists, Hamas ripped open a pregnant Israeli woman's stomach, killed the fetus, and then killed the mother. Hamas raped women and girls, mutilated their bodies, and then shot them. Hamas is holding 200 civilians captive, mostly girls and women, and doing God knows what to them. So if you call yourself a feminist and you can't find your voice in this moment to denounce Hamas, you have failed and shame on you. And she's right, you know. She's absolutely positively right. Uh, I don't know if you heard about this. Christopher Wray, director of the FBI, warning about the potential of Hamas copycat attacks within the United States. You heard about that? Yeah, Senator Marsha Blackburn commenting on that says, our open border is only exacerbating the possibility of an Islamist terrorist attack on our own soil. Oh, it's coming. You know it's coming. New York Post reports Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas calls for immediate deportation of foreign nationals who support Hamas. Hey, when he's right, he's right. When he's right, he's right. Professor at Cornell University up in Ithaca, New York, calls the Hamas terror attack exhilarating and exciting. Let me give you guys' name. It's the New York Post. Russell Rickford, history professor at Cornell, being called out for a shameful speech about the uh, October 7th Hamas attack. Yeah. The great Mike Davis, who I've interviewed on the program before, head of the Article 3 project, says, Democrats are defending Hamas terrorist sympathizers who are cheering the kidnapping, rape, torture, and murder of Jewish women, children, including babies, and the elderly. First Amendment. While pretending that Donald Trump is advocating violence for calling his prosecutor, Jack Smith, deranged. Wow. Now, Mark Levin, well, I will always have a special place in my heart for allowing me to fill in for his national radio show 11 times while we were still employed by the same company. He's out there on Twitter saying, important media, keep asking, how Hamas can keep firing missiles into Israel with all the Israeli bombing, the answer is that Israel is being told by Biden via Anthony Blinken, Secretary of State, not to hit schools, mosques, or hospitals in Gaza, even though Hamas is firing missiles from those sites. And apparently Biden is trying to dictate all kinds of terms with Israel. As a condition of receiving certain kinds of military weapons and other needs, now we also know why the invasion of Gaza has been delayed. So again, remember, what the Biden regime does makes sense if you remember two things. One is Biden's not in charge. How many times does he go in front of the press and say, I like to take more questions, but if I do, I'll get in trouble. Biden's not in charge. He's got dementia. Obama's the one pulling the strings. And Obama hates the Jews. He hates Israel. He likes Iran. Obama likes Iran. I'm not imagining this. All roads, all roads. Lead back to Obama. Anybody remember this?
5: And what I would say to them is the same thing I said uh, earlier this morning.
2: They need to seize that opportunity. Their leaders need to seize that opportunity. And uh, the truth of the matter is, is that Iran will be and should be
5: a regional power. They, they are a big country and
0: a sophisticated country in the region. And he has a certain affinity for them because he doesn't believe in freedom. And clearly, obviously, he believes in Sharia. That's why he did that nuclear deal with all the sunset provisions, so they would eventually get nukes, just not on his watch. See what I'm saying? So I don't know if you heard or not, but on Monday the 16th, leftists in COVID masks who support Palestinians, as if there's such a thing, staged an insurrection outside the White House. They openly sparred with Secret Service agents, but no arrests were made. Well, that's an insurrection. By the way, hat tip to uh, Anthony Hughes on the White House press team of One American News. Good job. Good job. You know, I can't get them on my uh, cable system anymore. Somebody told me the other day, they said, Doc, you need to put these things out more often because I can't trust Fox News, so I don't get my news from them. And I turned on Newsmax the other day, and they were doing an infomercial for uh, Ukraine, so you're where I get my news. Okay? Okay. We're going to try. We're definitely going to try to do do this more often. Robert Spencer, his website Jihad Watch. Hugh FitzGerald has a column over there, the long-standing media bias against Israel is now bearing bitter fruit. I want to check that out. There is so much. There is so much. And I just want to see the enemies of Israel pulverized. Notice as soon as the attack started, on Saturday, October 7th, as soon as the attack started, you had the squad people like AOC and Rashida Tlaib and Ilhan Omar calling for an immediate ceasefire oh no oh no we can't we can't go on with the, uh, the 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 circle of violence the cycle of violence oh no 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 israel must not strike back oh no 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 so what am i supposed to think Yeah, by the way, FBI Director Christopher Ray warning of terror attacks on U- US soil in relation to the Hamas terror attacks in Israel. Let's let's hear what he let's hear what he had to say.
3: We remain committed to continue confronting those threats both here and overseas. In this heightened environment, there's no question we're seeing an increase in reported threats, and we've got to be on the lookout, especially for lone actors who may take inspiration from recent events to commit violence of their own. So I'd encourage you to stay vigilant, because as the first line of defense protecting our communities, you're often the first to see the signs that someone may be mobilizing to violence. I'd also ask you to continue sharing any intelligence or observations you may have. And on our end, we're committed to doing the same so that together we can safeguard our communities.
0: Anybody remember the uh, Draw Muhammad contest a while back? Garland, Texas? When Obama was still president? Now, this is before Ray was uh, director of the FBI. Comey still was. The FBI tried to get people killed. If you're like, Doc, what are you talking about? You ought to go to the Doc Washington Show um, YouTube page and watch my interview with Robert Spencer. He'll explain the whole thing. Oh, yeah. New York Post, a young Israeli couple was murdered by Hamas terrorists who broke into their home, but not before the parents hid their 10-month-old twins who were found alive about 14 hours later. Ittai and Hadar Berdachevsky, both 30 years old, were attacked in their home, and Kafar Gaza, a kibbutz southern Israel located about three miles east of Gaza. According to the Israeli Outlet Walla, the parents who hid their babies in a bomb shelter tried to fight off the terrorists but were murdered. Israeli troops rescued the unharmed babies about 14 hours later and handed them to their grandmother. The unprecedented attack by Hamas has left over 1,300 dead. And they have the picture of this beautiful couple, this beautiful young couple. They want Israel to show restraint against homicidal maniacs. Yeah? No, 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 no. They must be vanquished. They must be vanquished. It's got to stop. Now, I take you to the elder of zion blogspot by the way he spells it z i y o n he has an article for some strange reason palestinians didn't behead egyptian babies between 1949 and 1967 he says if you ask palestinians their muslim and socialist friends how they can justify heinous war crimes like kidnap Murdering children in cold blood. Rape and beheading children. They'll give a litany of reasons like Gaza is an open-air prison. They have no freedom. They're living in crowded conditions. They're desperate and hopeless. They have no choice. But then you come across this article by James Baster of the UN describing Gaza in the 1950s under Egyptian rule. from the Middle East Journal, Volume 9, Number 3, Summer of 1955. And it says, In 1947, Gaza was a rather prosperous market town, functioning as a collecting and forwarding center for the citrus, wheat, barley, and dura crops of the Gaza and Beersheba districts. About one-fifth of the whole Palestinian citrus crop and 150,000 tons of cereals were annually collected there and sent north, partly for export from Jaffa, there were small local industries and occasionally a stray tourist, fresh from the glories of the pyramids of Egypt, braved the discomforts of the railway journey across the desert from Cairo and visited Samson to, Samson's tomb. The population of what is now known as the Gaza Strip, including the town of Gaza in the center, was then about 70,000 people. For this population, communications of the outside world were good, Both the tarmac road and the standard gauge railway line from Egypt to Haifa and Beirut ran through Gaza. There was no port worth the name, but 40 or 50 small sailing vessels might be expected to call at Gaza during the late summer when the winds were safe back in 1947. There was a small jetty for lighters at the end of the beach road two miles from the town. He says since 1947, the situation has changed indeed. A visit to Samson's tomb would now embarrass the pious, since it was continuously occupied for several years by 14 refugees. The road and railway line to Jaffa in the north is blocked by the armistice boundary south of Majdal and the road to Beersheba by the armistice boundary skirting the eastern edge of Gaza Town. The only remaining land link with the outside world is along the road and railway which run across some two hundred miles of desert into Egypt, but since the Gaza Strip is under military occupation by the Egyptian army, the desert is not the only obstacle to movement across the southern frontier into Egypt. Did you realize that for years Gaza Strip was under military occupation by the Egyptian army? Yes. This is from the Middle East Journal, Volume Nine, Number Three, Summer 1955. In this small area are concentrated 219,000 refugees in addition to the original population now increased to a further 90,000. Population density of some 3,000 per square mile is about seven times that of the United Kingdom since about half the area consists of uninhabitable sand dunes. Population per square mile of inhabitable land is 6,000 or about seven times the population density of Belgium. The refugees, almost all Muslims, came mainly from the north, large numbers arriving from the Jaffa area, in small boats during 1948-1949. 6,000 were added when the remaining inhabitants of the Kantara refugee camp in Egypt were transferred into the Gaza Strip in September 1949. Many of the refugees live in enormous camps, of which two contain over 20,000 people each. Populations have been largely isolated since 1949, as it has always been difficult to get entry and exit permits from the Egyptian authorities. For all practical purposes, it would be true to say that for the last six years, in other words, 1949 to 1955, over 300,000 poverty-stricken people have been physically confined to an area the size of a large city park. A large city park. Under present conditions, with access to the outer world barred by the armistice frontiers, when it's not obstructed by the Sinai Desert, it's doubtful whether the Gaza Strip would support, by its own resources, even ten thousand people at a toler- tolerable standard of life. So, that's the excerpt from the Middle East Journal, Volume Nine, Number Three, Summer, of 1955. Elder of Zion here in his blog spot says. In response, high population density, occupation by another nation, severe restrictions on travel and goods, and open-air prison. See, Egypt shipped all its Palestinian refugees to Gaza in 1949. No economic prospects, a population time bomb in the making. In short, every single excuse people use to justify Palestinian violence against Jews existed 70 years ago under Egyptian rule and more, since the Egyptians didn't allow Gaza to have any sort of self-government outside of a puppet regime. And Gaza had no outside NGOs, non-governmental organizations, helping them. So if terrorism is a natural response to living in an open-air prison, Where was the violence by Palestinians against their jailers, their Egyptian jailers back in the 50s? No, 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 no. The only Palestinian violence in the 1950s was against, of course, the Jews. In the 1950s, Palestinian Fedayeen murdered hundreds of Jews who lived near Gaza without Israeli occupation as an excuse. Sound familiar? If you know a little history of continuous Palestinian attacks on Jewish civilians, many just as heinous as October seventh, 2023, if not as huge, for well over a century. You can easily see that the excuses given for Palestinian terror are nothing but lies. Yeah. Elder of Zion blogspot. And, you know, there's a link here Talking about the history of the so-called Palestinians murdering Jews, a link here to a tweet from Elder of Zion. Understand history. Arabs have attacked innocent Jews before. They raped women and murdered children in an orgy of hate back in 1929. Babies were beheaded, rabbis castrated, women raped, tortured and mutilated. Hands and fingers were cut off both the living and the dead for jewelry. 1929, before the so-called occupation, before Is- Israel, yeah, almost 20 years before Israel, these Jews weren't even Zionists. And yet, the Arabs still attacked them anyway. Today, so-called Palestinians are proud of the 1929 massacre, calling it the Barak Uprising, just like they're proud of the inhuman massacres on Saturday, October 7th, 2023. Remember this when you see evil anti-Semites on TV blaming the Simchat Torah massacre on Israeli actions, just like 1929, they blame the victims for being murdered. But when you know history, you know they are simply justifying their bigotry and hatred of Jews. There are no concessions Israel could possibly give that would stop these attempts at genocide. The Jews in 1929 had no land, no army, no defense, and they were murdered anyway because of Arab lies about them. It's just like 2023, except now Jews can defend themselves. And he goes back to an article from August 27, 1929, Vincent Sheehan, by the North American Newspaper Alliance, article entitled, Mob of Arabs Butchers Jews. Ryder Pictures Horrors at Her Visit to Injured in Wards of Hospitals. Just another example of history that can teach you a lot about what is happening today. Yep. That's what's up. See, I um, I talk to a lot of people on social media who are just horrified. by how evil how brutal how bloodthirsty the jihadists are and they don't understand how can people be this evil they don't understand And so I tell them their Jew hatred comes straight from the Koran and the other Islamic so-called holy books. And until and unless our leaders are willing to tell the truth about that, we will continue to always be in a state of shock and bewilderment. The truth will set us free. But people don't want to hear about that, do they? No, they don't. They do not want to hear about that. Well, some people, some people do. Some people know the truth. Don't deny the truth. But I tell you one thing. There is a guy who does deny the truth. You ever heard of this guy, uh, John Mearsheimer? He is the R. Wendell Harrison Distinguished Service Professor of Political Science at the University of Chicago. And we got a clip of him on with uh, Judge Napolitano talking about what he thinks the solution to the problem of the violence between Hamas and Israel is. It's three minutes and 18 seconds long. I'm not sure I could put up with that much of it. But we're going to give it a shot here.
5: I think this is very hard to predict because a lot depends on whether the Israelis go into Gaza with ground forces. There's been a lot of talk about them going into Gaza and tearing the place apart, finding Hamas, and eradicating Hamas. But I think the Israelis, this is just... A guess, but I think the Israelis have come to realize that this is not a smart idea, that going into Gaza and trying to eliminate um, uh, Hamas will cause more trouble uh, than it's worth. And then at the end, even if you were to eradicate Hamas, you'll just get
0: a new radicalized group in its place. You're not. Now, so far, you know, I, I get what he's saying. I get what he's saying, but then he gets goofy.
5: I'm going to solve the problem with military force. This is a political problem.
0: No, it's not a political problem. You can't negotiate with genocidal maniacs who have a religious motivation for wanting to kill you. You don't have any choice but to take a military solution. There's no political... Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something my father told me when I was a little boy. He said, you know, the problem with um, World War II, our fight against Japan, was that the Japanese believed that the emperor was God. Yeah. Emperor Hirohito, they believed he was God. So at the end of the war... General MacArthur told Emperor Hirohito, look, if you don't want to be executed for war crimes, you're going to have to go on national radio and tell the Japanese citizens that you're not God. So, do you want to live? Why do you think they were willing to do the kamikaze attacks? Intentional suicide missions just like the jihadists, because they believed the emperor was God. So this John J. Mearsheimer guy, this uh, distinguished professor of political science at University of Chicago. Oh, man. Here's a little bit more. So one question is, do they go in or do they not go
5: in? But they're in a damned-if-you-do, damned-if-you-don't situation, because if they don't go in, Hamas lives to fight another day for sure.
0: Well, okay, that part makes sense.
5: And they're well armed and they're going to continue to cause problems. Uh, Then, if they don't go in, they bomb uh, Gaza. But this is a total disaster, not only because, from a human point of view, from a human rights point of view, just seeing civilians killed is an absolutely horrible
2: thing.
0: This guy looks like he's about 80, right? And so, I mean, He's never heard of World War II? Is that possible? Let me let me look him up real quick here on Wikipedia. Okay, the guy's 75. He was born in 1947. But he had to learn. He got his bachelor's degree at the U.S. Military Academy. West Point got his master's at University of Southern California and his PhD at Cornell. So he had to learn about World War II. I'll bet you he didn't think we could politically negotiate with Hitler and and the Emperor of Japan. I'll bet he didn't. Let me play a little bit more of this guy. It'll be interesting to see if Judge Napolitano has any pushback.
5: But also, it does no good strategically. It doesn't solve the problem. It just enrages people inside the Palestinian world, inside the Arab world, and it even loses support over time for Israel in the West. So bombing is no solution either.
0: I think it's a great idea myself. Because, see, when you you bomb the jihadists, then they're unable to uh, murder and uh, rape your women anymore. I think it's a great idea. I disagree with this guy.
5: So the Israelis are really between a rock and a hard place.
0: All right, you already said that. Uh,
5: I don't know what they do to fix the problem.
0: Just bomb them all and let God sort it out. That's what they do, pal. And this gets back to my earlier
5: point that the solution to this was a two state solution. Whoa, 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 whoa. You can't be that stupid to fix the problem. And this gets whoa. back to my earlier point that the solution to this was a two-state solution.
0: <laughs> I had to tweet in response to this. This guy says the answer for Israel is a two-state solution with people who have a genocidal hatred of the Jews based on their religion. Of course, he doesn't admit that that is where the hatred comes from. Some ideas are so ridiculous that only intellectuals accept them. Now, that's where I stopped watching the thing. Had about a minute and a half left. But let's give Judge Napolitano the benefit of the doubt that he might actually push back against this guy. Let, 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 let's let see what happens with good old Judge Knapp here. Right. I have to ask you this. Right. The answer is the two-state solution, and Napolitano says, right? Oh, my goodness. State solution. Right.
5: <laughs> I have to ask you this because you're so well-regarded internationally. What would you do if B.B. Netanyahu calls you up? And says, Professor Mearsheimer, give me your guidance.
0: Well, first of all, Bibi Netanyahu is a lot smarter than either one of these guys. So he's never going to do that. Anyway. Well, I- I've thought about that
5: question. I would tell him to back off uh, from the bombing as soon as possible. Uh,
0: and Yeah, let as many jihadists live as possible. Let them live to fight another day, which you already said is a problem. And, uh, not go further down that road. And I would advise not
5: to go into uh, Gaza. Uh, and I would tell him that what he ought to do and what his colleagues ought to do is reverse gear and uh, or reverse direction and move towards a two-state solution. But he's never going to accept that. And he heads up a governing coalition that includes a number of people who are much further to the right than he is. Right. And if you look at the demographics in Israel over time, right? Uh, this is a country that's going to get more and more hawkish and more and more anti-Palestinian over time. That, coupled with the present events, makes it almost impossible to see how you get a two-state solution. So I think I could give him that advice, and even if he were willing to listen to me, which he wouldn't be, he couldn't execute it because the politics inside Israel no longer facilitate a two-state solution. That train has left the station. Professor John Mearsheimer, always a pleasure. Thank you so much uh, for your insight. And
0: Have you ever heard anything more ridiculous in your life? The train that left the station on the two-state solution was Hamas going in and raping and murdering people. And this guy said, yeah, they need to have their own country. That'll solve it. And Judge Napolitano, who clearly has no gray matter between his ears, is like, well, yeah, sure. Yeah, man. Okay, cool. Let me give you a little bit of background on Judge Napolitano. You remember a guy named Shepard Smith? Token liberal that used to have his own show. One hour show in the mid-afternoon. On Fox News Channel. Well, do you have any idea why he's no longer on Fox News Channel? Nobody fired him. He had a contract, but he used to bring on. He liked to bring on Judge Andrew Napolitano as if he was some kind of a legal scholar, and Shepard Smith would defer to Judge Andrew Napolitano. <laughs> And he got to the point where it was just so ridiculous. Tucker Carlson started making fun of him. Now, that's kind of unusual. During his 24-year tenure as Fox News Senior Judicial Analyst, Napolitano appeared on air more than 14,500 times, a record for any on-air personality in the network. Napolitano was let go from his position as a contributor to Fox News in August 2021 after allegations of sexual harassment filed by a Fox Business production assistant. Did you know that? Anyway, um, Tucker Carlson used to make fun of him, and Shepard Smith put his foot down and basically told the network, unless... Unless they made Tucker stop making fun of Judge Knapp, Napolitano, Shepard's going to walk off the network, and he did. I think he's over on CNBC, a show nobody watches anymore. But um, clearly for Judge Napolitano to agree with this Mearsheimer guy, that the answer to Israel's problems is to officially recognize a country run by religious fanatic homicidal maniacs who want them all dead. Uh, Well, that tells me all I need to know about Judge Napolitano. tells me all I need to know about John Mearsheimer. It's ridiculous. By the way, Israel War Room over there on Twitter says, since October 7th, Hamas terrorists have murdered over 1,300 people, raped women, burned children alive, mutilated babies, taken at least 199 hostages, fired over 6,000 rockets. As Hamas continues its assault, Israel is still protecting its citizens, support Israel's right to self-defense. Amen, brother. Amen. I'm I'm, I'm all about it. But there are those among us who are not. And let me remind you what Jesse Kelly, talk show host out of Houston, said recently. Reminder, your domestic enemies haven't set aside their plans for you. They are not distracted. They're not feeling some newfound sense of humanity. Not even a little. They are still laser-focused on who they think the true enemy is, and that would be you. Do keep that in mind. And yes, we have to. Each time I do this, I feel like I'm only scratching the surface. There's just so much, and I wish I could explain it all to you. Victor Davis hansen has been writing a lot about it recently. I gotta mention this to you. The the Washington free beacon. Their op-ed the other day on Robert Malley, we tried to warn you. Do you know who Robert Malley is? If you don't, it's probably because the media doesn't want to let you know. Says, it looks like part of the Washington press corps has finally caught up with our own Adam Credo's reporting on Joe Biden's envoy to Iran, Robert Malley, who is now under FBI investigation for mishandling classified information. Now that the scandal is out in the open, it's worth recalling some of Credo's prescient scoops. Before Robert Malley was formally announced as the Biden administration's point man to revive the 2015 Iran nuclear deal, our reporter Adam Credo smelled a rat. January 25, 2021, he reported that a senior advisor to Iran's then-president, Hassan Rouhani, welcomed the selection of Robert Malley to the post. A few weeks later, Adam Credo reported on the odd talks Malley had with Chinese Communist Party officials about restarting nuclear diplomacy with Iran, a move that contradicted Secretary of State Anthony Blinken's own promise to pause diplomacy until and unless Iran stopped stockpiling highly enriched uranium, fuel suitable for a weapon. When Robert Malley was absent from briefings to Congress on the Iran deal, Adam Credo wrote about the first House investigation into the the revocation of the envoy's security clearance when the Tehran Times, an Iranian regime mouthpiece, printed a letter from the State Department's Diplomatic Security Office Informing Robert Malley that his security clearance was suspended, Adam Credo was once again on the case. For the most part, Credo's scoops were met with crickets from the fourth estate. That means the rest of the press, the rest of the media, and the Biden administration. But the stench is now too pungent to ignore after Semaphore and Iran International last month published bombshells on an Iranian foreign ministry initiative to cultivate Western experts to influence the debate over Iran policy. Mainstream outlets are finally starting to connect the dots. It turns out that Robert Mali hired an advisor for his work to revive the nuclear deal, Aryan Tabatabai, who also participated in this Iranian operation. The Pentagon soon plucked her to be the Chief of Staff to the Assistant Secretary of Defense for special operations and low-intensity conflict. Robert Malley tried to hire Ali Vase, another member of the Iranian Influence Network, but Vase never got the proper clearances for the job. Once again, our reporter Adam Credo was ahead of the curve. On March 16, 2021, he sounded the alarm about Tabatabai when Mali hired her. Combing through her public writings and statements and interviewing Iranian dissidents, Credo reported that Mali's new advisor had downplayed Iranian protests and defended Iran's meddling in Iraq. One might think the State Department would be grateful for Credo's sleuthing. Instead, Credo was accused by a spokesman at Foggy Bottom that's the nickname for the State Department, of smearing a well-qualified analyst. If only the Biden administration had listened to Adam Credo's warnings, it would be spared the scandal and humiliation today of having entrusted its Iran policy to a man who can't understand that Iran's regime is not a friend, it's an enemy. Oh, I think he knows. He's just being paid well, right? If only the Biden administration had listened to Credo's warnings, the Pentagon would be spared... A potential Iranian agent in its ranks. Oh, I don't think Lloyd Austin cares about that. But the op ed winds up saying there's a lesson here somewhere. Yes, but sadly the lesson is elections have consequences. Elections have consequences. It's a shame. You've been listening to episode 410 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us and we love them. If you have any questions for us, email us. Contact the com. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a Terribly Messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped if you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a of Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansur's Computer Solutions. Seventh floor, the ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour, simply the Tenth, Senior Vice President, Engineering, IT, and Interoperability for the Doc Washburn Show. And that's the way it is. Tuesday, October 17th, 2023.